If you have your Bible, turn with me to Psalm 92, chapter 92, verse, I'm going to begin in verse 12, Psalm chapter 92 and verse 12. You stand for the reading of the word, it says, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat. There's an excuse for getting fatter the older you get. Amen. They shall bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Amen. I want to preach for just a few moments on this subject, the glory of the palm tree, the glory of the palm tree. Would you pray with me, Lord Jesus, right now as we take up a familiar text? I'm asking for the grace and the anointing of God just to flow into this house, Lord. I believe that you can bring a fresh word this morning to somebody's life, Lord. I believe you, I believe you can touch in, a, in an extraordinary manner. And we're asking you, God, to do what only you can do, God. And we'll give you all the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. Would you say amen? Amen. You may be seated. The date palm. When we talk about the palm tree of the Old Testament, we're talking about the date palm that grew in the desert. It's not the palm, the coconut palm that you see in the tropic island paradise. It is a, a date palm. It is a stately tall tree, the king of the desert, crowned with a rich plumage of great leaves that stayed green in every season of the year. It was, a, it was an emblem. It was a symbol of, of prosperity, of, 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 of victory in the middle of trying circumstances. It was often used to symbolize ancient Israel, and it was an important part of their culture, and it was a central part of God's promise concerning the promised land. When God told Moses, I will bring you into a land that flows with milk and honey. The honey that he was talking about is the honey that is produced from the fruit of the date palm. It was a majestic tree. It was an integral part of the promised land. It was impressive to behold. They grew up to 80 feet tall. It was a tree that spoke of longevity. They lived for hundreds of years. If you planted one today, if you were to go into your backyard and plant a date palm and you watered it and you nurtured it and you cared for it every single day, you would be lucky if you got your first batch of fruit from that date palm in seven, eight, or even ten years. But it would be about 30 years before you would ever see the real fruit of your labors because it would be about 30 years. It would take 30 years of watering that plant, 30 years of tending to that tree, 30 years of working and, and, and making sure that it was taken care of before it would really begin to produce fruit that had any significant value. Then once it began to produce that fruit, it would be productive for over a hundred more years. Its trunk straight and tall and unbroken, and it ends in a circle of emerald green leaves that crown it like gigantic feathers. Those leaves are 
10, 12, 15 feet long. They are massive in size. Sometimes they grow as far as 20 feet long. The desert dwellers would tell you that the trees of that great palm tree, they produce a musical melody when the wind blows through them, and all of those massive leaves act like giant reeds of some great unseen instrument as they create a, a tune as the wind blows through them and whistles and, and makes a melody of the glory of God. The wind that blows against the palm tree never phases the palm tree. It never has an impact on the palm tree. Instead, the palm tree turns it into a song. The palm tree is in truthfulness a beautiful and useful tree. Its fruit was the daily food of millions of people. Its sap furnished a refreshing juice and in a desert place that could be drunk and brought refreshment. The fibers of the base of its leaves were woven into ropes and that tall stem supplied the lumber, the timber that was needed to build things. Its leaves were manufactured into brushes, into mats, into bags, into baskets, into all manner of things. And even in, in, in the Bible, at the Feast of the Tabernacles, wherever they would weave together leaves into tabernacles that they would dwell in, the, the leaves they used were the leaves of that palm tree it was a it was it was well known as a as a shelter it was a place of refuge it's it's massive 15 to 20 foot leaves created a a place of shade in the middle of a hot burning dry desert that one tree that that grew in the middle of that dry barren wilderness it was said by one biblical scholar that that tree supplied all by itself Almost all of the wants of ancient Israel. They could find their food there. They could find their, their nourishment there. They could find their drink and refreshing there. They could find the implements for the tools they needed, for the things that they, they had to have to get by. Almost everything they needed they could find in that tree. Now, I know I'm spending a lot of time this morning talking about tree, but I want you to understand the significance of the palm tree. It was so revered in the culture of Israel, that when Solomon built the temple, Solomon's temple, in 1 Kings chapter 6 and verse 35, it tells us that he covered the walls of the Holy of Holies with elaborate gold-plated carvings of palm trees. That's how significant, that's how, how highly thought of that tree was. In the culture. So when David takes his pen in hand and he begins to write under the inspiration of God that the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree, he invokes in the minds of his readers an astonishing set of imagery that is not so readily available to us today. We don't really grasp it. We don't really understand it. But in their experience, the palm tree was more than just desert landscaping. It was an incredible source of strength, uh, of sustenance. It provided for them. It brought them shade. It brought them shelter. It brought them refreshing. It brought them the, the nourishment of life. And on this grandparents' day, I want to revisit the palm tree for just a little while on a Sunday morning. And I, I want to remind you that it is such a perfect illustration of the gold 
years of your life, that it contains such a powerful message that every one of us can draw from, but especially the seniors, the elders, the grandparents that are in this place today. Amen? Now, I will give this, this disclaimer. I understand that not all grandparents consider themselves to be elders. Amen? But by and large, we're talking about the seniors. And so if you'll give me the liberty to call you elders and old folks and all that for just a little bit, just, just rest assured that my day's coming. Amen? The stately palm tree. It grows in the desert. It rises from the sand. It's surrounded by a vast ocean, a barren, dead landscape. And it stands alone as a testament to the fact that it is possible to grow. It's possible to thrive. It's possible to produce life and hope in the most difficult of places. Perhaps one of the most readily available images drawn from David's statement Will, grow, will, will be come from the fact that the righteous will grow and prosper in all places, in every circumstance, in every situation. No matter where you plant them, they seem to grow. No matter where you put them, they seem to be prosperous. No matter what kind of circumstances, no matter what surrounds them, no matter what's going on around them, the, the palm tree rises from the sand. It's surrounded by the sand, but the sand is not the source of its nourishment. Sand can't grow anything. Sand isn't a good place to try to grow your garden. It, uh, it's not a good place to try to try to produce a, a, an orchard, but the sand that surrounds the palm tree, it doesn't limit the palm tree. It doesn't define the palm tree. Instead, the palm tree drives its root far down deep into the earth until it finds deep below the sand a hidden source of nourishing water, and the palm tree lives in the most desolate of places because its root gets down deep until it finds something that will sustain it. It may be surrounded by a barren, dry, dead desert, but it draws its strength and its life from the rich fountains of refreshing water that are carried by its deep roots up the vast expanse of that root system up into its tall, elegant trunk all the way up to those rich green leaves. And though the heavens above yield no rain, and though the earth around it dies for lack of water, the palm tree grows and it flourishes year after year. Season after season, no matter what is happening around it, because it draws its strength from deeply hidden springs of refreshment. There is no better illustration of the life of the righteous, those who are in this world but are not of it. Seasons change. Cultures change. Governments change. The things that are around us change. The buildings dilapidate and they fall down. The, the things that we thought we could depend on, we learn we are no longer so dependable. The whole world becomes like shifting sand, a shaking foundation. But the righteous, they're like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Amen. They grow and they flourish and, and they produce. And year after year, amen, everything around them changes. Everything around them shifts. Everything around them may be dying, but there's the righteous man. There's the man who put his faith in God. There's the man who 
walks with God. There's a man who knows God and there's a man who is blessed and who grows when nothing else is growing, who finds plenty when there's nothing to be found in the land around him. I want you to know this morning, we live in a land of plenty. We're surrounded by the riches of a culture that has so much to offer, but it is so empty and so shallow, and there's nothing there that can nourish the soul. There's nothing there that feeds the inner man. Like the desert palm, if you're going to flourish in the middle of this kind of a society and this kind of a culture and this kind of a world that is shifting and changing, you better learn to get your root down deep. You better learn to tap into something that cannot be seen. You better learn to get a hold of something that that the world can't grasp and the world doesn't understand, something that the world can't see, that the senses can't begin to to comprehend. You better learn to get down deep uh, into the Word of God and into the blessings of God and into the richness of His presence and find a place to to draw your strength from, uh, find a place to draw your refreshing from, find a place to draw your spiritual vitality from because this world will quickly deplete you. It will quickly use you up. It will quickly leave you empty and broken. But David said, the righteous are like a palm tree in the desert. Uh, They realize their source of strength uh, is not in the sand that's around me. Their source of strength is not in the wilderness where I'm planted, but it's in the deep things of God where I drive my root down and I get a hold of something that will keep me. Faith is the penetrating penetrating root that reaches deep down into the the, the muck and the mire of our lives and everything that's around us and goes down and taps into that living water that flows from the springs of heaven. And it's it's the righteous man who finds his strength and his encouragement in in the secret place, in the shadow of the Almighty, in that place where he gets shut away with God, uh, amen, and finds something to nourish him and cause him to grow. That's the man, that's the woman, that's the elder saint of God that stands as a testimony to the world that there are indeed springs of refreshing and barren places. There are indeed places of, of, of life and, and vitality and sustenance in a world that is dead and dry and barren. I want to remind you on this Sunday morning that the wellspring of your strength flows from the deep refreshing of the presence of God. And it is incredibly important to the believer that you drive your roots down deep into the Word of God and into the presence of God until you tap into that rich abundance that nourishes your soul. We may be in this world, but we're not of it. We may be surrounded. We may have to work here. We may have to, this may be where we live, but this isn't what we're living for. Amen. This may be where our home home is, uh, but this isn't where our hope is. Uh, amen. We've got our roots settled down into something that's deep. We're living for a world that's on the other side of glory, for a home that's far beyond the blue. I'm living for something bigger than, something greater than anything in this world. That's the hope that sustains you. That's the hope that keeps you. And blessed is the man or woman that learns that the wellspring of life comes from being in the presence of God on a daily basis, from being shut away with Him, from finding 
that strength and that refreshing that can only come from the fellowship of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that person will be like the palm tree in the desert. They'll grow where they're planted. They'll grow where they are. When everything else is broken down and desolate, that individual will be like a tree planted by rivers of water. They will grow and flourish and produce and be a testimony to the goodness of God. The palm tree is beautiful with its tall and vibrant canopy. It's, it's picturesque and unfading leaves make it an emblem and made it for all of Israel an emblem of victory. It was an emblem of overcoming power. The leaf of the palm tree is always the same. It does not fall to the ground in the winter and the fall, and it does not turn brown in the heat of the summer. The desert palm is an evergreen tree, and the arid hot blast of the merciless summer wind doesn't affect it. The killing cold freeze of a cold winter's night doesn't get its grip on it because its source of strength, its source of substance isn't influenced by the seasons. It isn't influenced by the changing of time. That majestic tree stands apart from the normal cycle of life. It stands apart from the normal cycle that surrounds it. The, the springs come and whatever green is going to show up in the desert wilderness, it shows up. But the, the fall comes and those things die off and the, the winter comes and, and those things all disappear and they wait for the spring to, to come back again. But the palm tree, it isn't subject to that normal cycle. Uh, it isn't subject to the turning of the seasons. It's just there. Uh, it's just a steady unending testimony of the goodness of God in the good times and in the bad, in the spring and in the fall, in the winter of the soul. There stands a palm tree that doesn't bend uh, and doesn't break. Uh, it doesn't fade. Uh, it doesn't turn with the season and with the trial and with the things that try the soul. The palm tree stands. It endures the same seasons as the other plants. It goes through the same harsh conditions as all the others. But it emerges unscathed touch because its source of strength isn't affected by the events of this life. What a beautiful illustration this morning of the righteous man or woman that is sustained by the secret springs of divine grace and lives and grows when all others are overwhelmed and falter and fail. When David penned the words, like the palm, he was saying that you and I, we're, we're going to go through seasons in this life. We're, we're going to go through trouble and trial and turmoil. Sometimes there's going to be good news mixed with bad news. And sometimes there's going to be trouble and trial and even in the middle of our victories. And sometimes we're going we're gonna to face the valley that we don't know how we're going to get through. We're going to look at the mountain that we don't know how we're going to climb. But in all of those times uh, when others are overwhelmed, when others are falling and faltering, the righteous man or woman is sustained by the goodness of God, uh, by the blessing of God. And he grows and stands and produces fruit and is a testimony of the goodness of God. We'll see our barren times. We'll walk through our lonely valleys, climb our difficult mountains, 
But in those trying times, we will leave no doubt to the fact that the Lord is our provider. He is our sustainer. The world may do what the world will do, but the season's not going to change me because I'm like a desert palm. I'm rooted deep. The root goes down and taps into something rich. And when the winter comes, I'm just going to keep standing here because I know I've seen it before. Spring is coming. And when the spring comes, I'm going to drink in the, the nice, refreshing sun. But I know that fall is coming and winter's coming and, and all the season's going to change. But one thing will never change. He who takes care of me, he never sleeps and he never slumbers. And there's no shortage in him and there's no inability in him. And his hand, is, his arm is not short that he cannot save. And he doesn't have any deficiency in his ability to provide hide from me and no matter what happens I'm going to stand a testimony of the goodness and the mercy of God David was saying that the righteous will be blessed in every season, under every circumstance, uh, unmoved by temptations and persecutions, unmoved by the things that happen in this life, like the desert palm, they're evergreen. They always show forth uh, the praises of him who has brought them out of darkness uh, and into his marvelous light. Uh, by divine grace, uh, they live and they thrive where others perish and die. That's the promise of God. He'll be your strength. He'll be your shelter in trying times. He will keep you and He will sustain you. The storms will rage. The droughts will come. The trials will happen. But you can rest assured that the same God who brought you to the valley is going to carry you to the mountaintop. Uh, that's why the prophet could write, uh, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. Uh, when I sit in darkness, uh, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Because he understood. Uh, amen. I've seen it all before. Uh, there's going to come a trial. There's going to come some darkness. Yes, there's going to be a time that I sit in darkness. Uh, but in that time, uh, the Lord is going to be my light. I will fall. I will stumble. I will make a mistake. I will, I will feel myself unworthy. But rejoice not against me, O oh my enemy, for when I fall. Something about the palm tree. There's something about that stately king of the desert that just stands there and declares the glory and the majesty of the God who sustains it. The palm tree grows slowly but steadily from century to century, uninfluenced by the changing of the seasons. Seasons come and they go, but the palm tree remains is the same in times of plenty as it is in times of won't. The abundant spring rain doesn't change its course, and the burning sun of the summer doesn't alter its testimony. Through it all, the palm tree grows steadily and surely, day after day, getting further and further from this world and closer and closer to the King of glory. 
The urgency of the wind may bend it, but it will never break it. And when the storms of this life pass through, it will stand upright and true, lifting its majestic branches to the heavens and declaring the glory and majesty of God. There it stands, looking down upon the world below it, patiently yielding its clusters of golden fruit from generation to generation. It never changes. Of all of the imagery that could have been drawn from the majestic desert palm. Of all the things, and I, I've hit on a few, and I, I studied the palm tree extensively. There are a lot more things that we could talk about this morning, that the relationship to the palm tree. But David narrows out, or singles out, narrows down the one particular trait. In verse 14, he said, They bring forth fruit in old age. The palm tree produces fruit in its old age. That within itself is, is a neat characteristic, but that's not what makes it so unique. The key to understanding the importance of what Paul, what David is saying lies in the knowledge that the best fruit that a palm tree will ever produce is produced when the tree is at its oldest. Every year, the palm tree's fruit gets richer and more abundant. Every year, the date gets sweeter and more refreshing. Dates may start being produced by a tree as young as seven or eight years, but they're not really good to eat. They're not really good for nourishment until the tree is about 30 years old. And from that point, through the decades that follow, through a hundred or more years afterwards, every single year, the fruit gets sweeter. It gets bigger. It gets better. It gets richer. The harvest becomes more plentiful. The, the fruit becomes much sweeter. And the mature date palm that gets on in years will produce over 300 pounds of rich dates every single year. Up to five generations of men will pick their fruit from the same date tree. But the last generation will find fruit that is much richer and much sweeter than anything that any of the previous generations have ever picked from that palm tree. When David says it bears fruit in its old age, it's more than just it produces a shriveled up date when it gets old. In its old age, it produces its best fruit. I have a message today for the elder saints of God. God isn't through with you. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how long you've walked this road. I don't care what lies behind you. God isn't finished with you yet. Your greatest work remains yet to be done. The, the richest testimony that you'll ever share remains yet to be shared. David said that the righteous are like the palm tree. They bring forth that sweet fruit in that old age. Old age is a bad word in our society. Nobody wants to be an old man. Nobody wants to be called an elder. Nobody wants to be looked at as, uh, as having lost your youth. The carnal world looks at the decline of the later years with dreadful and painful anticipation. But David makes a profound statement. 
that age may make others decay, but it makes the righteous flourish. It makes their testimony that much sweeter. It makes their ministry that much richer. The date palm produces its best fruit in the twilight years of its life. That's why when we, we look at our elders in the Lord, we look for something more excellent in their lives. We, we look for some testimony of the longevity and the grace of God, that, that God has walked with them, that he's been with them. That when we hear some, I, I could stand up as a 40-something-year-old middle-aged man and say he ain't never been nothing but good to me, and that means something. But when our Brother Anderson stands up or our Sister Eccles stands up and says he ain't never Ever done me nothing but good. It means a whole lot more coming from the mouth of someone who's walked the long, lonely road, uh, who's seen the trials and cares uh, of this life, who's walked through some dry and barren places and has the years behind them to stay. It just gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. It just gets richer and richer as the moments pass uh, to understand He is my God uh, and He is my provider. And he takes care of me. I come to this place on a Sunday morning to encourage you to hear the word of the Lord that declares to you that the best is yet to come. The psalmist said of the palm tree, they shall bring forth fruit in old age. Fruit, as far as nature is concerned, belongs to the youthful. It belongs to the young. It's the young that are productive. It's the young that are fruitful. We, I'm not quite an old man, but I know what it is to sit back and look at the younger men and say, man, I wish I had that kind of energy. I wish I had that kind of, I, I would do a whole lot more with it than I did with it when I was their age. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? But in God's economy, the righteous bear their sweetest fruit in the later years of their life. When the world would try to convince you that it's time just to sit back and take your ease. When the world would try to convince you that it's okay just to, just to settle into the twilight years of your life and, and fade away. Let me admonish you this morning that you're standing in what could be the most productive years of your life. The most productive years of your walk with God. Sarah laughed when God told Abraham that in her old age... She would bring forth a child. Don't brush off what I'm telling you today in the Holy Ghost. The father of the faithful brought forth the child of promise in the twilight years of Sarah's life. When it was so far gone that she laughed at the possibility, God said, let me show you what I can do with an elder saint of God. I'm going to tell you something. Your days of fruitfulness are not over. Your days of being productive for the kingdom of God are not over. The righteous shall bring forth fruit in their old age. I want to read verse 14 from the Amplified Bible. It says, Growing in grace, they shall bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap and spiritual vitality. They shall be full of sap and spiritual vitality. That's the part where the King James Version said they shall be fat. I'm just full of sap. Spiritual vitality. And rich in freshness of trust, love, and contentment. 
there is within the life of the age saint of God more experience with the provisions of God, more wisdom that flows from years of walking with God, more willingness to make sacrifices for the sake of peace within the house of God, more maturity of judgment and divine things, more confidence in God, more riches of experience with God. It is the elder saint of God who's been there and walked with the Lord through the years uh, that is full of spiritual vitality and richness of trust and love and contentment in God that knows, that understands, uh, that is fat in a spiritual sense, uh, that is full of the confidence uh, that God is going to take care of me. Even when they are bedridden, they bear the fruit of patience. Even when they are poor, they're content in the wealth of experience and offspring. Nature falters with age, but grace doesn't leave the saint of God. The promise is still sure, though the eyes can no longer see to read it, and the voice of the Spirit is still loud, though the ears can no longer barely hear it. When the hands are weak, the heart becomes strong, and the Lord sustains those that grow old in righteousness. Let me tell you where your fruitfulness lies. Verse 15 says, reading again for the Amplified Bible, it says, They are living memorials to show that the Lord is upright and faithful to His promises. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. Your faithfulness, your fruitfulness springs from your testimony. You are a living memorial. You are a living testimony to the faithfulness and goodness of God. Let me speak to some middle-aged saint of God right now. You're not there yet. You're somewhere in the middle years of your life. And the struggles and trials and troubles and things that try to derail you and push you one way or another. Let me tell you why you need to hang on to this thing with everything you've got. Because it's a generation coming after you that needs to be able to look up at some point in their life and see a testimony of the faithfulness of God. There's a gener- there are kids, like grandkids that are not yet born, that are going to need to be able to look at your life and say there stands a testimony of the faithfulness of God. It's not just for your own soul. It's not just for your own salvation. You can, sure, you can quit and you can walk away and you can come back and you can do it as many times as you want to do it. And hopefully you'll make heaven your home. I hope you're in when it comes. But the truth of the matter is that there are kids and grandkids and those that are coming along behind you that need to see the testimony of a life lived of the faithfulness of God, of the richness of His provision. Don't let go. Don't let go. Don't back away. Don't surrender. Don't give in. Hold on. Because you grow to become a living memorial. A living testimony of the goodness of God. When you can stand and say that God is good. He's faithful. He never backed up on me one time. He never let one promise slip. There was never a single time that he didn't provide for me. And there are years of experience to stand behind it. It means so much. 
It is such a blessing. It is such a testimony. It's richer and richer as the years go by. It gets richer and richer. Older you get, you can tell it like nobody else can. There are years of experience that stand behind it when you talk about the great grace of God, the goodness of God, the mercy of God. That's where your fruitfulness springs from. That's where the, the wellspring of your testimony in your later years is to be able to say, Brother Anderson, I was young, and now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Never seen a seed begging bread. I've never been in the place where God let me down, where he faltered, where he failed. I want you to know, elder saints of God, you've got a testimony. You need to share it. You need to tell it. That little group of kids that was gathered up here this morning, they need to hear it. They need to hear the stories of the provision of God. They need to hear how God made a way when there seemed to be no way. They need to hear about your struggles because they need to hear about your triumphs. They need to hear about the valleys because they need to hear about the mountaintops. They need to hear about the places that you were where you didn't know how you were going to go home. You didn't know where you were going to turn. You didn't know where your answer was coming from. But somehow in the middle of an impossible situation, God showed up. And when God shows up, uh, it changes everything. They need to hear that testimony from somebody who's been there, from somebody who's seen it, from somebody who's experienced it, from somebody who's walked that walk who can tell them, Amen. I may not have, all of my life, I may not have known everything there was to know about him, but every single day I've grown closer and closer and closer. And I can tell you, if you seek him, you'll find him. If you seek him, he's going to show himself to you. If you reach to him, you'll find that he's reaching back to you. He is your God. He is your provider. Young elder saints of God, you have that ability to share with that younger Generation, You had that singular ability to plant the seed of faith that will produce for many, many generations to come. You had that unique ability to become a living memorial to the, the goodness of God. The end of verse 15 tells us that the elders will declare of the Lord, He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. I've been there. I have seen him through the years. I have a testimony of a life spent. And I can tell you there was shortcomings in me. There, there, there may have been unrighteousness in me. There may have been, I, I've stumbled along the way, but he, there is no unrighteousness in him. He's been faithful. He's been there. Every step of the way, the elder can say it like no one else can. God has been good to me. He's taken care of me. He's provided for me. He walked with me through the long, dark valley. He carried me to the mountaintop. He, he's been there every step of the journey. I've never thirsted that he didn't make for me springs uh, in a barren wilderness. I've never been hungry that he didn't provide for me that refreshing bread of life. Uh, he is a friend without fail. He is a helper that always comes through. He is a counselor that I can trust in. He is a provider 
that is always there. He's a way maker when there seems to be no way. He has never been anything but good to me. Those words, that testimony carries its greatest impact, has its most richest vitality to it when it comes from the lips of an elder saint of God that can say, I've been there and I've seen it. Ladies and gentlemen, grandparents, I come to tell you this morning that you have a unique ministry in this church. You have a unique ability here. You can tell of the goodness of God like nobody else can. Share it. Tell it. Encourage the kids. Encourage the young people. Tell them God is your provider. He is the one that watches over you. That's the fruitfulness of old age. Tell them what God has done for you. I'm closing with this. But there's one other aspect of the palm tree I want to bring up in closing. The, the trunk of the palm tree grows straight up, as many as eight stories tall. At the same time that that trunk is growing straight up, the root grows straight down. It is quickly descending down deep into the soil. That's what lets it tap into the water and the sustenance and the life that flows deep below the desert sand. But there is some danger to having a root that is, grows straight down and never really branches out because it doesn't provide much stability against the storms of life. If you, if you see an oak tree, what you see above the ground of the oak tree is representative of what is below the ground. The oak has a root system that mirrors the, the tree that is above. It goes down and it grows out. And the same length of those limbs growing out on that oak tree, that's how deep those roots go down and out in the earth so that it sustains it against the storm. The greatest storm can blow, but as long as there's not a deficiency in that oak tree, that root system will hold it. It's not going to blow over. It's not going to blow away. Woman, I asked then, how does the desert palm, that 80 foot towering single trunk how does it sustain itself how does it how does it withstand the test of time how does it overcome the the fierce storms that blow through the desert what happens is that as that root descends into the depths of the earth in the search of water it's also reaching for something to to, to stabilize it to sustain it and deep within the bowels of the earth, that root will find a buried boulder, some kind of a rock. That's what it's looking for. It looks for something stable, something that will sustain it. And then it, that root will actually wrap itself around that boulder, around that rock. It will grow all the way around it before it continues its descent down into the earth so that whenever the storm comes, it is the, or the rock deep below the surface of the earth that becomes the anchor that holds the palm tree in its place. And when the fierce wind blows, it may very well lay the palm tree over on its side. But when the wind lets up, it'll stand straight back up because the anchor, the rock, it doesn't move. 
It doesn't shift. It's not affected by the storm at all. As we come to a close this morning, I want to remind you that perhaps the greatest testimony that you have is contained in that last statement. He is my rock. He is my rock. In the storms of my life, He's the one that sustains me. When everything comes crashing in, when the wind blows against my soul, He is the anchor that preserves me. He doesn't move. He doesn't change. He's always there. He is the thing not just that gives me life, but He's the thing that gives me stability. This morning, we honor our grandparents, and we want you to know that we, all of us that are younger than you, we are looking up to you. We're looking at you as a living memorial, as a living testimony. Your life and your faithfulness to God is a memorial to us that He is your rock. And if He is your rock then He can be our rock too. And if He's carried you through some storms, then He can carry us through some storms. If He sustained you in the difficult times of your life, whenever you've walked the lonely roads, then we can take confidence from the fact that that same God, He is our rock, and He will sustain us, and He will keep us. Grandparents, we love you. We need you. We need to see the testimony of your life. Brother Anderson, if you come, if you can come to the pulpit, I'd like you to do that. Brother Andrew, you may give him a hand.